Welcome to the Jill on Money Coronavirus Market Update. It is Saturday morning. It's the weekend. So let's get through some of these questions so you can start your day. You can get on with it. You can do what you need to do to clear your heads, okay? We totally love that you are in touch with us. We want to keep this going. Please, if you've got any sort of financial issue going on, just send us an email. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. That's Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. Dawn writes, target date retirement funds are designed to automatically rebalance adjust account holdings based on your anticipated year of retirement. I've not seen anything that discusses what to do after you pass the target year and are actually retired. Should you remain invested in the target date fund held at retirement, move to a target date fund with a future year of retirement, or change your investments to something else? Thanks, and really enjoy the short daily podcasts. I like the short ones too, Dawn. Well, here's the thing. Target date funds are sort of tricky because um, we now have sort of the first generation of people who are retiring with them. And essentially what they're supposed to do is not just get you to a retirement age, but target a retirement age, but then presume that you live through a couple of decades where you're going to need the money. Each one of these target date funds is slightly different. It requires you to do a little bit of work to find out what's in it and how they change the allocation in the future. The one way you might be able to see that is to look at a current target date fund. If you looked at a 2020 fund, you might say, oh, is that something that uh, that looks like close to my allocation? The other thing is, should you change your allocation? That depends. I'd have to know a lot more about you, Dawn. But I mean, look, I, it's nothing you need to worry about if you're not retired. But if you're about to retire, I'd love to talk to you more. I really would. It would be my pleasure. So follow up with us, okay? Let's see. John writes, thanks for the daily podcast. It helps ease my mind during these times. My question is in regards to when it's enough to stop saving into your emergency reserve fund and start saving for retirement again. Mm, Again? I hope you never stopped. Okay, let's do this. My wife and I each earn 75 grand a year. I have a side hustle and it brings in another 35 grand a year pre-tax. I work in the touring music entertainment industry. My side hustle has completely dried up for the year, if not longer. My full-time job is in the same industry. My company has little income, will probably be laying off workers after the PPP program runs its course. I currently have been told I will make the cut, but I'll be making just 60% of my salary for an undisclosed amount of time. We don't see much risk in my wife's job at the moment. Thank goodness. In March, when everything really hit, we had only 15 grand in emergency reserves. We quickly got that up to 30,000 by stopping all retirement contributions above any company match and stopped the kids' 529 contributions. Our expenses are about $4,200 a month, and we have retirement saving rate between 45 to 50% of our take-home pay. So when do we shift back to retirement savings? My opinion is that we have saved a decent buffer and could do that, but I always like a second opinion. Okay. My feeling for you is that you should have one year of your living expenses in the bank. And if that is $30,000, that's fine with me. Then you can go back to putting some money into your retirement plan. But I'll tell you what I would do. I would stop your 529 contributions. If you're going to stop anything, don't stop the retirement. Stop the 529. That's what makes most sense. 
And other than that, get back on board with the whole retirement. Don't move things around. But I think as long as you've got one year of your expenses in the bank, then I would feel way more comfortable. Start that retirement plan, skip the 529. Retirement comes first, not 529. Okay. This is from Mark who wants to know about converting a traditional IRA to a Roth. I've been enjoying your podcast for a long time. You and Mark regularly accompany me on my bike. By the way, would it be too much to ask you two to help with a little of the pedaling? Mark and I both like to ride. Okay, here's the background. Mark is 70. His wife is 72. They're both retired. They live in Washington state where there is, by the way, no state income tax. I just point that out. We live on 75 grand a year, and that comes from our social security checks and my wife's state pension. Our home is paid for. We've got no debt. Net worth, $3.2 million. We've got 500 grand in my traditional IRA and 850 in our two Roths. After listening to your program with Ed Slot, love Ed Slot. We began converting big blocks of my traditional IRA to the Roth. We've done that for the last two years. I still have a couple of years before I need to begin taking required minimum distributions. Does it make sense to continue to convert, pay the taxes now before they may go up, and in the bargain, reduce my RMD? I need some wisdom here. Love the program. You are truly my, quote, trusted advisor. Mark, I would go ahead and do that. I think it's a fantastic idea. And I would, you know, again, I wouldn't necessarily do it all at once, but I would try to get into the tax bracket that's affordable for you right now. I love the idea that, you know, if you basically right now, the two of you are, let's say 150, so maybe you're in the 22%, I would be converting enough over the next couple of years to get you in the 24%. Fine pay that. It's no big deal. And then you're right. The RMD goes down. It will not be as big a deal. I love it. Convert, get going. Kind of like don't look back on this one. I think this is an easy one. No no doubt that this is where you want to go. And let's see, this is from Sue. Subject, option trading. Can anyone do options or does it take a certain mindset? That's the subject. Okay. My husband and I have a very intelligent friend who, for the past two years, has tutored my husband in the ways of option trading. I started to learn how to do this, but got to a point where it was just a lot to remember, confusing, and this right-brainer became fearful of losing money because of a mistake I'd make. They've taken our employer-matched 401k of 650 grand two years ago. It's now over a million. They rolled it into an investment account, and they self-managed it. I've been told I can do anything I really want to do. This one, I'm not so sure of. My question, is it a matter of sticking with it till I understand option trading, or is it meant for the left brain people in this world? Should I just plot my money in Vanguard or something like this? Sincerely, Sue. Okay. Option trading, by the way, I was raised as an options trader. It was my first job on Wall Street. It's essentially just understanding probability. By the way, anyone who plays craps and anyone who is a bridge player can be an options trader. Now that said, is it really smart? Maybe you don't have to. Maybe your husband and his friend are playing around and having enough risk. Maybe just do what you want to do. And the nice hedge against the options bet is that you do put money in Vanguard and you do use index funds. And if your husband wants to take risk as long as he understands... Options can be very risky, especially in markets that are volatile, then 
it would seem to me that that's the better place for you. Why struggle? You don't need to. This is our last question today from Justin. Thanks to you and Mark for everything you've done during the crisis. The daily episodes have provided advice and comfort during these turbulent times. I'm extremely fortunate that my employment has not been disrupted by COVID-19. And in fact, I'm due to receive a promotion this summer. It requires a relocation from Washington State to Washington, D.C. Hmm. That's a big commute. Um, Okay. I currently own my own home in Washington State, where I've resided for six years. I plan to rent when I move to D.C. I'm unsure whether to sell or rent my home here in Washington. I don't want to buy in D.C. at the moment. I don't need the cash from the sale of the home immediately. If I were to sell the home, I would net about $150,000. However, if I refinance into a new 30-year, I've got 24 years left on my 30-year, the new payment would allow me to have as much as $400 to $500 in positive cash flow. I'm tempted to keep the house as a rental due to the cash flow, but I'm nervous about renting the property during the crisis. With so many people's employment affected by COVID-19, I'm nervous a renter would become unable to pay, and then I'd have to be hope the bank would allow me to defer payments. What factors should I consider when making the decision? Are there other things I should be considering? I understand this isn't exactly a bad problem to have during the crisis, but any insights you have would be appreciated. Stay safe and healthy, Justin. Okay, Justin, here's something that I want you to think about. If you become a landlord, are you really going to do this cross-country? Wouldn't you actually have to hire some sort of person, rental agent, management company, someone to take care of it? Would that eat into your four or $500? Would you really want to have to deal with the risk of what happens next in a rental? You want someone to trash your house? I think that selling makes so much more sense. It's clarity. Unless you truly believe that you are about to leave Washington State just temporarily, then I would sell it and be done with it. Really? Why why ask for a problem? That's my question to you. So not enough money to make it compelling. I would say sell it, move on. Keep that money set aside, maybe put it in a intermediate or short-term kind of investment account and see what happens next. I think you're going to be a happy renter. Better to be a happy renter than an unhappy landlord, if you ask me. All right, that's it for the show. And I want to thank you so much for tuning in. It is Saturday. Please get outside, take a walk with your mask on, wash your hands, maintain that social distance, and please also try to do something nice for somebody. Help someone who's maybe trying to navigate their own financial lives. Maybe you can say, hey, listen to this daily podcast, or maybe you can help somebody complete an unemployment application. Whatever it is, do something nice for somebody. Lift somebody up. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.